Hey, happy Easter, everybody. My name is Jason, and I'm the pastor of Hope City Church. I'm really excited we get to spend the next few moments together talking about and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. We are in part eight of a series of messages that we've been doing called Long Story Short. And what this series is about is reading the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, but looking at it kind of in an overview from 30,000 feet. And we've been connecting the dots theme by theme, story by story, because we want to try to understand the Bible better, what it's about, what's happening. But more importantly, we want to try to understand the God who wrote it better. And so through this series, we have taken all of the stories and the themes, and now we are at the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. And I can't think of a better time to talk about the story of resurrection than than on Easter weekend. Now, this is a big deal for us as Christians, for us as believers, obviously. It's, it's actually what makes a Christian a Christian. Did you know that? You're not a Christian because you go to church. You're not a Christian because you read the Bible. You're not a Christian because you're nice to people. What makes a Christian a Christian is believing in the resurrection of Jesus. Like we, we believe it really happened, Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's what makes a Christian a Christian. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the resurrection because there are a lot of people who believe in God. Uh, some, some of the recent studies say that 92% of Americans believe in God. They say that they believe in God, but that's completely different than believing in Jesus and believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That believing in God is not what makes you a Christian It's believing in Jesus, that Jesus came to be the Savior that you need, and you believe that, and you accept that, that he died on the cross, but he didn't just die on the cross, he he rose from the dead. And so I want to read to you what the Bible says about it, how the Bible describes it. It's in Matthew chapter 28. It is the the story of the resurrection, just a quick uh, version of the story, but it's in Matthew chapter 28. You can read along with me. We'll have it on the screen for you. But verses one through six, it says, early on Sunday morning, as the the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothes was white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Verse five, then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. I love the exclamation point. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen and come and see where his body was lying. For for a Christian, this verse is the reason for our celebration. That Jesus isn't in the tomb. The body's not there. He's alive. He's alive. And, uh, and, and this is for us as Christians what it is all about, why we celebrate and why we can have so much joy. I was reading recently about, about Thomas Jefferson. He was you know, obviously one of our founding fathers. He was a deeply spiritual man, but he struggled with a lot of the supernatural stories about Jesus. And so after a lifetime of struggling, he decided to make his own version of the Bible. Maybe you've heard about this. And so he, 
He read six different copies of the New Testament in Greek, Latin, French, and King James English. And then he took a scalpel and he cut out all of the parts that he couldn't believe. He just couldn't come to terms with, removed all the miraculous events, and, and he ended up with an 84-page Bible that he called The Life and the Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. They still actually have a, a copy of this in, in the museum, in a museum. And, and so I want you to consider this for a second, that in Jefferson's Bible that he made for himself, Jesus never fed 5,000. Think about that. He never walked on water. Jesus never calmed a storm and said, peace be still. Think about that. Not in there in his Bible. But even crazier than that, in Jefferson's Bible, Jesus died, but he never rose from the dead. Now, you've probably never made your own Bible, but you, you probably have at times stopped short of embracing the miraculous resurrection power of God. And it's possible that a lot of people who are watching right now, you know, believe that Jesus was a real person. You may even like some of the things that he had to say. Maybe you've taught your kids the, the golden rule or uh, something from the Bible. Maybe you've even told them Bible stories to teach them principles or lessons, but you've never fully embraced or accepted or received the resurrection power of God. Well, as Christians, as believers, our faith is not just in Jesus as a teacher. It's in Jesus as our Savior. And what separates Jesus from other great teachers and religious leaders and other religions out there that people follow is that he didn't stay dead. For every single other religion, every single other teaching or wisdom that's out there, the person who created it or wrote it died, but not Jesus. He died, but he rose from the dead. And the fact that Jesus is alive means that we can be alive too. The fact that Jesus is living changes the way that we should be living. And so that's what I want to focus on for today is that the resurrection changed everything for you and me if we claim to be believers in Jesus. But the question is how? How did it change everything? We know that God loves us and we know that one day we're going to get to be with God, but what about now? How does the resurrection of Jesus affect our life and change our life, the life that we're living today? And I guess actually I jumped ahead of myself. A better question to start with would be, does it change our life? Does it change your life? Let me ask it to you this way. If, is, your, is your life any different because Jesus is alive? I'm talking to those of us who are believers, those of us who are Christians. Let me ask it again. Is your life any different because Jesus is, is alive? Think about it like this. Like if tomorrow, okay, imagine with me that tomorrow they had breaking news and someone discovered the bones of Jesus. It wasn't a hoax. It wasn't fake news. It was real. They found the bones of Jesus in a cave somewhere. He didn't resurrect. He really did live. He really did teach and do the things that he, he did. And he really did die, but he didn't resurrect. They found his bones in a cave somewhere. They could prove it. It was real. Would that change your life at all? Don't just say yes and think about it or, and just not think about it. Think, really think about it. Would it change your life at all if Jesus never came back to life? If it was all a lie? 
if he was just a good teacher, but not a, a, a savior. If you found that out tomorrow, how would your life change? Would your life be any different? Well, I want to read a few verses to you from the book of 1 Peter, a really short book towards the back of the New Testament. Maybe you've read it before, but, but maybe not. And it was written by Peter, and his life was dramatically different because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is what he had to say about it. It's in, it's in 1 Peter chapter 1, right at the beginning of his letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And this is what he said. He said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is what I want us to focus on. Now we live with great expectation. I want to spend a few minutes together just talking about that last phrase. Now we live with great expectation. If, if you were being honest, if I was being honest, this is not a particular season of life where we're probably living with a lot of hope and, and expectation. And I don't mean to be a downer, uh, but I was just thinking about all the sad and tragic things that have happened in the last 12 months. And this is going to be depressing, but I want to just read some of them for you. This is some of the bad news, uh, tragic, sad things that have happened just in the last 12 months. Let me read a couple of these to you. Uh, about a year ago, there was the fire that destroyed the Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, on Easter Sunday last year, a series of bombs ripped through churches in Sri Lanka, killing at least 290 people and injuring hundreds. We've been dealing with the Australian brush fires. There were the Amazon rainforest fires. Um, at, at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, a man shot and killed 22 people and injured 24 others. There was Hurricane Dorian and, and the Bahamas. Earthquakes in Turkey and the Caribbean. Uh, 41 people were killed, more than 1,600 injured. Just recently, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash and him and just a few of his friends and family, but it, was, it, it just seemed to kind of resonate with us as a country. And then right now, we're living in the coronavirus, which was declared a worldwide pandemic. I told you it was going to be depressing. Well, after hearing all of those things, it sounds a little strange to, to read a Bible verse that says we live with great expectation. That's, that's not maybe the best Bible verse it would seem for this time that we're living in. Because if we were being honest, a lot of us would probably say, we wouldn't say I'm living with great expectation. We would say something like, I'm just trying to hang on. I'm just trying to keep it together. But that's not what Peter said. He said that because Jesus Christ was resurrected, we're born again, and we live with great expectation because Jesus Christ was resurrected. We're born again, and we live with great expectation. Now, this is kind of cool. The, the word uh, expectation in this verse is translated from a Greek word that means to strain your neck forward, like to, to get on your tippy toes and strain your neck and, and, and look ahead, strain your neck forward. And so Peter is saying here that because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, we as believers, I'm talking to, to believers, Christians, we as believers get to live our life in a sense, living on our tiptoes, straining to look ahead past where we are now 
to what's coming. If our faith is in Jesus, resurrected, and we're born again, we get to live that way, straining our neck and on our, our tippy toes. And when I read this verse, um, it made me think of uh, every Christmas, we take our family to uh, the mega, mega cavern Christmas light show uh, here in Louisville. And we've been doing this for several years now. And so every year it's the same. We, we go and we, you know, we start pulling through the light show. And every year, some of you guys are going to, some of your parents are going to get mad at me. You're going to get nervous here. But uh, every year my kids beg and ask. And so we, we open up the sunroof and then they stand on the middle console in the front seat and they, they stick their head out of the sunroof so that they can see all the Christmas lights from above the van. I knew that some of y'all are going to get nervous on me, but we're going really slow. It's safe, I promise. And, and, and when I read this verse, I thought about that, that image of my kid's head sticking out of the minivan, looking ahead and screaming with excitement about the lights that they saw, that they saw coming. And this is what Peter is saying that we can do. Because Jesus Christ is resurrected and because we're born again, we get to live our life like with our head out of the sunroof. We get to live our life on our tippy toes with great expectation. So the question is, expecting what? Expecting what? How can we celebrate the good news of Easter in the middle of such bad news? How do we live with expectation and what should we be expecting? And so... For the last few moments together, I want to just give you four things that you can expect because Jesus is alive. Four expectations that you can live with because Jesus is, uh, is alive. Let me give you the first one. The first expectation that we can have is that our trouble is temporary. That trouble will be, be temporary. That's actually what, what Peter said if we would have kept reading. I'll read it to you. It's in verse 6. He talks about living with expectation, but he says in verse six, he says, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Verse seven says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Peter says that, that this expectation that we're living with looking ahead doesn't mean that we get to skip past or get, get jump over our trials. We still have to go through them. And he even said many of them. And we're going to have to live in times that we don't enjoy or that aren't pleasant. But he did promise us that they would be temporary. Now, temporary is relative. Temporary could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year. It could be a lifetime. But here's what we know as believers who faith is in Jesus Christ is that even a lifetime of trouble is a small, small time period when you think about eternity. And so I, I can't sit here and tell you that your trouble's almost over. I can't sit here and tell you that you won't have to go through any more trials, but I can tell you that because Jesus is alive and because Jesus has resurrected, whatever trouble we face now or will face is a temporary trouble. And we get to live straining forward. We can look past the trouble we're in now to something, something greater. That's the first expectation we can have. Let me give you another one. Number two, because Jesus is alive, I can expect my life to have purpose. Because Jesus is alive, I can expect my life to have purpose. And maybe you're watching this right now and you don't feel like your life has any purpose. If, if your faith is not in Jesus, Unfortunately, you're right. You're right. 
that anything that you could put your faith in is temporary. It's not going to last forever. If your faith is, is in your college education or your kids or your career or your bank account, it will pass away at some point. It, it, will, it will go away. But if your faith is in Jesus, you can trust that he is using your life to make an eternal difference in 10,000 ways that, that you're not aware of. And so sometimes when we're going through a period we don't enjoy or we're going through, it feels like we're at a dead end or it feels like that things are not going the way we imagined they would go, we can think that life's pointless, that it has no purpose. But because Jesus is resurrected and because we're born again, we can believe and expect that God is using our life and he wants to and will use our life, straining our neck forward on our tippy toes, head through the sunroof. We can look past this place that feels pointless and know that God will use our life for a purpose. So trouble's temporary. My life has purpose. Let me, let me give you another one that because Jesus is alive, I can expect, you can expect to have freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Now, I'm not saying that you'll never sin again because you won't. I won't. But, but I am saying that you don't have to stay trapped in a cycle of bad decisions, addictions, and habits. Because Jesus overcame death and he overcame sin when he was resurrected. I want to read you another verse. It's in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Uh, it's about the resurrection, verses 11 and 12. I'm just going to read them to you real quick. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your, talking about believers, He'll give life to your mortal bodies by His same Spirit, by this same Spirit that's living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. That's crazy to think about, really. As we're celebrating this resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that the same power that made those soldiers afraid and fall into a faint, the same power that, that brought an angel to roll away a stone, the same power that brought life back into Jesus's body is living inside of you and it's living inside of me. And that means a lot of things, but according to Romans chapter eight, one of the things it means is that that power that's inside of you is stronger than the power of sin and addiction and bondage that's in your life. You're not obligated to it anymore. And if you will ask God and let God and the Spirit of God that's in you help you, then you can be stronger than the thing that you feel like is defeating you right now because of His resurrection power. So that's the third thing that I can expect to have freedom from sin. But let me give you one more because Jesus Christ is resurrected, because Jesus is alive, I can expect to spend eternity in heaven. This was really the whole point of what Peter was saying in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. And I want to read you verse 9, one more verse. He says, Peter says, The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. This is what as Christians, we are ultimately straining our necks forward to see. Ultimately, what we're getting up on our tippy toes for, ultimately what our head is going through the sunroof for is the day when we will get to be with Jesus. Our souls will be saved for eternity. And we'll be with Christ forever. 
And if your faith is not in Jesus, I, I can't tell you that your trouble will be temporary or guarantee that your life has a purpose or that you can find freedom from addictions and sins that keep tripping you up. And I definitely can't tell you that you will get to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. But here's the good news. The good news is that I can tell you that right now you can change all of that. You can change all of that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that. And in just a moment, I'm gonna lead you in, in a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if there's something that's happening in your heart and in your head right now, and you know that this is the moment when you're supposed to believe in Jesus and ask him to be the savior of your life that you know you need, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. I, I asked some people on Facebook this week to give me their testimony in one sentence. Just one sentence before Jesus, and after Jesus, what's the difference in your life? A one sentence testimony. And I wanna read just a couple of these answers to you. One person said, before I put my faith in Jesus, I thought I had to do everything in my own strength, but God has taught me how to strengthen myself through him and in doing so has freed me from anxiety, fears, and addictions. Another person said, before I put my faith in Jesus, I constantly felt a void, let down or abandoned by everything or everyone that I tried to cling to. But now the void has been filled by a God who will never leave me or let me down. Another person said, before Jesus, I was in a dark pit of separation from God and doing my own thing of drugs or anything that would fill that void. But now my life is filled with joy, peace, forgiveness, and freedom. And it's been 16 years of being delivered from all the darkness. Let me read you one more. They said, before I put my faith in Jesus, I felt like something was missing and I couldn't figure it out, but now that hole has been filled. This is what happens because Jesus is alive. This is what happens when we're born again and we put our faith in Jesus Christ as the savior that we need. We can't save ourselves. We've learned by now we can't put our trust and our faith in ourselves. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, who saves us from our sins and allows us to live with great expectation for what's to come, eternity with Him. And so I want us to pray together. And if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, can't think of a better day, a better moment, an Easter weekend to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. But wherever you are, whether you're with your family or you're watching by yourself on your phone, couch, TV, wherever you are, right now, if you would say, I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ and put my faith in Him. Would you just lift your hand? Would you lift your hand right now? And I know it maybe seems silly to lift your hand if you're in a room with some other people, but the reason I want you to lift your hand is because it's one step. Lifting your hand doesn't save you, but it's the first step, one step of saying, I am, I am letting God know and I'm letting anybody who's with me know and I'm letting myself know that I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And if you raised your hand or you're ready to start that relationship. I would like everybody to pray this prayer with me. If you would, bow your heads right where you're at and everybody pray this prayer. If you're starting a relationship with Jesus, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Please save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. The next time I fall, help me to get up and to run to you and not away from you. Jesus' name, amen.